0: Well, every two years or so, I, Rick Baker, cheer for athletes who have a maple leaf on their jersey. I don't want you to get any idea that I'm going to make that a practice. I normally cheer for the team that has a big B for Baker, but because of my great loyalty for Canada, I make an exception and cheer for that maple leaf. Are we cheering for the Canadians? Well, you know, come on. I, I know some of your imports into the country and all that, and I feel sorry for you at this time of the year but but um, i 'm I'm, I'm just like a diehard Canadian fan. I just love canada i 'm a patriot through and through, and um, I, I just get really excited about the Olympics and cheering for Canada and all that and, and it really bothers me as well that some Canadians are coaching other countries like the Chinese jump team they 're coming in and beating us, and they have a Canadian coach. I, I, kind of it's like disloyalty to me I, I don't know, it just this bothers me but anyway, I'm cheering for the Canadians it's all about loyalty and if you're not cheering for Canada you need your heart transplant or something alright I got, a, I got, a, I got a, an amen over here I, I like it now are you from Jamaica originally or where? Jamaica, but you're with Canada now because there's no Jamaican bobsled team in this year I don't think I don't think so if there was, you could cheer for them. Yeah, that's right. But, but anyway, it's all about loyalty. Do you realize that the table of the Lord is also all about loyalty? That's what it's about. When we gather around the Lord's table, we are rededicating ourselves to our commitment and our passion, reaffirming our love for Jesus Christ because of what He's done for us. It's, it's an act of loyalty, a ceremony of loyalty Then we gather together at the Lord's table. He's been so loyal to us, and in response, we're loyal to Him. Now, I want to take you on a a journey this morning to actually Joshua chapter 23, and I also want to take you on a bit of a journey into 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want you to go both places there, because what we're going to encounter is that Joshua is giving his last sermon in Joshua 23 and 24, and we find out in chapter 24 that he was 110 years old when he Died. So he's somewhere older than a hundred years when he's giving this sermon. And, and he's seen a lot. And, and this sermon that he's going to give in Joshua 23, I believe, is all about loyalty. Loyalty to God. Uh, Chuck Swindoll, in his, um, one of his devotional books, it might be Come Before Winter or something like that, he, um, he talks about the whole issue of loyalty and, and gives a, an interesting picture uh, of the uh, Of uh, sort of the, the no- normal course of life where we start out uh, lost and, and, and are, are, are saved by God, and then you go through a cycle in life where we, um, uh, where we decline in our loyalty to god and if we 're honest, if we pay attention of course to the scriptures and to to what we see and observe in our own lives, we see that this is a, a, a a, a great danger to all believers to maintain that passion, that urgent loyalty for God over the long haul. In fact, we've been our series is, is about go big, go big for God. We've talked about live big for God and go big for God. You know, go big can become go small or be small really quickly. Just as I let my heart become cold to the things of God. So Swindoll writes this as he as he pictures the whole idea. We go from bondage to spiritual faith. "...from spiritual faith to great courage, from great courage to strength, from strength to liberty, from liberty to abundance, from abundance to leisure, from leisure to selfishness, from selfishness to complacency, from complacency to apathy, from apathy to dependency, from dependency to weakness, from weakness back to bondage." Now, if you think about that, and you're honest, and you look at that, you, you can place yourself somewhere in that picture... Now, I'd like to think that um, perhaps you've come to abundance. Because many of us have here in, in this country, certainly in abundance in, in our spiritual walk with God. That's a dangerous place to be. By the way, in chapter 23, it starts out by saying that after a long time and after God had given them rest from their enemies. That's a very dangerous place to be. And most of us say, wait a second, that sounds like a great place to be. But when our... our our enemies are put aside when we're at a time of rest, when everything seems abundant and everything's going great. That's the time when I can let my spiritual loyalty, my commitment to Christ, start to wane because I get the idea, well, you know what, everything's going all right. I don't really maybe need to ta- pay that much attention to Him. This morning, I want to um, spend some time with you um, pointing out that there are some urgencies that are found in Joshua chapter 23. I want to give really four of them, um, which are choices and decisions that you have to make every day to guard your hearts, the keeper of your passion. But before we do that, let's open in prayer. Our Father and our God, we pause right now to call on your name, to to ask you to open up our hearts to, to receive what you have for us. Lord, we know for sure that you are a loyal God to us in a degree of loyalty that, that is almost unfathomable. Father, the question that's going out this morning is, are we loyal to you? And are we making the choices and decisions every day that guard that loyalty, that, that guard our hearts, the, the place where a passion for loyalty for Christ is, is harbored? So, Father, I pray this morning that um, as we take this time into your word, you should speak very boldly to our hearts, prepare us and prepare our hearts for the Lord's table and for the days that are coming, that we might be people of great loyalty to our Savior and our Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. By the way, um, the apostle, in fact, Joshua is really urging the people, the con- great congregation of Israel, based on the history of the people of God that he has, he's lived through and certainly aware of. They've been wandering around because they were spiritually disloyal to God. And as he's going off the scene, he said, I want you to be loyal to God. I don't want to see this happen again. I want to see this cycle occur all over again. And the Apostle Paul actually addresses the very same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And and in in that particular chapter, he says at the very beginning, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers, forefathers in the faith, were all under the cloud in the presence of God. that they all passed through the sea. They were delivered out of bondage. By a miraculous work of God of salvation. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. They were all immersed in the community of faith. They all ate the same spiritual food. And they all drank the same spiritual drink. They all practiced communion. In the Old Testament sense of that. For all, They all drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. And that rock was Christ. Nevertheless... God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. The simple truth is, a great starting line does not guarantee a great finish. I don't know if you noticed, there's a common word that keeps popping up that, that, as I read that particular section of the text. And it was all, all, all. All were part of the, of the God community. All were delivered from bondage. All were baptized. All practiced communion, eating and drinking. And most didn't cut it in terms of loyalty to God. So you can see that these external ceremonies are no indication of the reality necessarily of your heart. Well, at Joshua 23... It says there, after a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then old and well-advanced in years, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, I am old and well-advanced in years. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Great Sea in the West. The Lord your God himself will drive them out of your way. He will push them out before you, and you will take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the Law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God or cling or cleave as you have until now. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations to this day. No one has been able to withstand you. One of you routs a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. But if you turn away and and ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. But just as every good promise of the Lord your God has come true, so the Lord will bring on you all the evil He has threatened until He has destroyed you from this good land He has given you. If you violate the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, the Lord's anger will burn against you and you will quickly perish from the good land he has given to you. It's about loyalty, Joshua says. The Apostle Paul in First Corinthians 10 is saying the very same thing. you you got to pay attention to being loyal to Christ. That's why the Apostle Paul writes, in fact... In 1 Corinthians 10, 21, you cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Now let me explain to you what the Apostle Paul encountered in Corinth. He encountered a group of people called the Church of Corinth. They would gather together like we're gathering together this morning. They would gather together around the Lord's table. even The table where they were dedicating themselves all over again to the Lord, being loyal to Him because of his great loyalty to them and salvation. And after the Lord's table was over, they would rush out and run over to the pagan temple, the wild party and party all night. And the Apostle Paul is saying to them, wait a second, you you can't come into the Lord's presence and participate at the cup of the Lord, eat of the uh, bread of the Lord's table, and go and participate also, eat of the cup of demons as well. That's an act of disloyalty to God. Now, um, he was, he was uh, pointing out to them that, that when they gathered together at the Lord's table, the presence of God was among them. And then when they partake of the elements, they're actually partaking of the, the, of the divine elements of God. They're partaking, participating, actually being involved in the presence of God and all that comes with that. But when they would take off and leave the service and run over to the pagan temple and and party with the pagans, he he said, don't you understand that in the same way that you're participating with the Lord at the Lord's table, you are participating with demons in the temple and the parties of the pagans. There's a participation. There's a, a locus of God's divine presence among us. In those settings where God is not welcome, the truth of the gospel is not welcome, and people are practicing evil things, there is, in fact, a locus of demonic activity. You're you're hanging out in both the the light of Christ and the darkness of of the satanic one. Don't you understand that, Paul says to them? That's disloyal. He says, that's the same thing that your forefathers were doing when God became displeased with them, you're doing the same thing. This is not just a a people of God Israel problem. This has now become a a Gentile problem problem in the church at Corinth. This has now become a church problem. And this cycle continues over and over again through the history of the church, whereby people of God think that they can play in two worlds. That you can hang out in God's world and you can hang out in Satan's world. Paul says, you cannot. Joshua is saying the very same thing. Do not. Now, I, I want to um, I want to contrast with you this morning, and, and it's just going to be a basic outline. You'll have to dig deeper on your own or join one of our study groups during the week where we go a little bit deeper in this stuff, but... But I just want to give you a a framework this morning and I want to contrast the two different tables. I want to contrast the reality of the table of the Lord and what that really means and and what it's all about with that table, the table of demons, the table of the world, the other table. I want to show you the difference as Joshua points it out to us and the Apostle Paul points it out to us because these are really in many ways companion chapters in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So I want to point out to you this morning that, there, that at this table there are four choices you need to make in order for you to be a loyal person of God. Now, um, the first is this. At this table, at the table of the Lord, in verses 3 through 5, I don't know if you notice what Joshua was really stressing here, but he was stressing, the Lord is doing these things. It's the Lord has who has done this. He's the one who's pushed out the nations. He's the one who's driven out the enemy before you. He's the one who's given to you this land. So the first choice that you need to make at this table of loyalty is you will rely upon the strength of the Lord. Uh, Joshua was well aware that now that things have become sort of restful, the enemies that had been sort of quieted down around them become a time where, where they were really going to uh, uh, relax and the possibilities that they would relax on the idea that they didn't need God that somehow that, that they were, they were uh, surviving on their own strength and everything was fine thank you very much but at this table when you come to this table a reminder at this table of the loyalty we have toward God is that it is not about us it, it is, we, we couldn't do this on our own we couldn't save ourselves this is about loyalty to God it is about what God has done for us and we, in turn, are loyal back to Him. He will do it, and we receive it. We are receivers at this table. We receive. He has done it. Joshua reminds them. He says, did you not notice that one of you can route a thousand? Would you think that was because of your own strength? You think that was because of some special training that you did? No, no this is beyond anything that could be explained by human strength. This is something that God has done for you. He's enabled you to be a thousand times stronger than you are. So we rely on God. How do we rely on God? We pray to Him. We acknowledge that, that we can't do this, Lord. This is about You. We, if, we, if You don't show up, if You don't help us, then, then nothing of, of any great eternal significance is going to be accomplished. It's, it's admitting that, that we are weak and, and God is strong. But at that table, at, at the other table, the table of demons, you rely upon your own experience. That, that's what you do. You will do, and Paul writes out, you will lose. Notice, what he, notice how he points out in verses 6, 7, and 8. Now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things. I'm in 1 Corinthians 10, as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. He points out all the things that these people did, relying on their own strength, ignoring God, And points out how much they lost. Simple truth is, our flesh is set up to fail. Paul writes in Romans 6.19, you are weak in your natural selves. Do we realize that every day of our lives, if we're relying on ourselves, we're totally outgunned? We're outgunned because our self is stronger and Satan is stronger. Every day of our lives, every moment of our lives, every second of our lives, we got to be relying on the strength of God because we are definitely outgunned by ourselves and by Satan. That's why the writer in Proverbs says, Trust in the Lord, what? With all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him, and what? And he will direct your paths. Don't lean on your own understanding. Joshua says, don't rely on yourselves. It is God who has given you what you have today. It will be God who gives what you have in the future. Make sure you focus on Him. Notice what he says in verse 6. Be very strong, secondly. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. At this table, the table of loyalty to God, We commit ourselves to the Word of God. The Word of God is our moral compass. As Jesus said, the truth will set you free. The salvation truth that Christ has given to us is is what truly sets us free. It sets us free from ourselves, free from our sin, and free from Satan. The truth is what sets us free. Do you realize the enemy's major weapon of choice is false teaching? Or twisting the truth of God. That's what he's been doing all along. And he does that with God's people. Twisting the truth. He choreographs circumstances to manipulate your emotions. But God operates his plans from the platform of his promises. That's why Joshua could say to the people, didn't you get it? Has any of God's promises ever failed you? Not one. He says, you know with all your heart. All your soul, you know this to be true, that God's promises do not fail you. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. You may be an emotional onslaught in your life. The mountains may fall into the sea. Everything may be going completely wrong, but this one thing we know is true. The word of of God stands forever. Lean not on your own understanding. At that table, the other table, the table of demons, it's feelings and desires that become the moral compass. You know this is true. This explains the culture of people around you. There's a philosophy that um, has caught on big time in our culture. And although most people may not be able to articulate it, it is a complete twisting of the truth, a complete reversal of what Jesus said. Now, Jesus, remember what Jesus said? The truth will set you free. But the philosophy that is being embraced by our culture is that freedom will lead you to the truth. If you think about it, that's that's what's happening in our culture around us. It's Satan has completely turned upside down the teaching of Jesus and has delivered it at that table, the table of demons, the the table of the world. And and it goes something like this. My desires, my emotions, I want to be free to express them. And and that freedom of choice and that freedom of, of, of decision will lead me to what is true for me. I'm not really concerned if you don't agree with it. Because you can, based on your freedom, formulate your own truth. And that truth can be for you and my truth can be for me and my truth will... Allow me to be free to do whatever I want. Your truth will allow you to be free to do whatever you want. And we'll all be happy. Until the bottom falls out of your life. And then the, true, the truth that you've created is of no value to you whatsoever. You see... um. Your, your emotions, your desires can be manipulated. That's why Joshua said, don't turn to the right or to the left. Stay fixed and focused on what is true forever. There's a third uh, point that uh, Joshua makes here. It says in verse 7, Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. But you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. At this table, the table of loyalty, you hold God, not things. No gifts, no blessings, no talents. God is the prize. This table, what we gather at, what we are really rededicating ourselves to, dedicating ourselves to, is is complete loyalty to Christ alone. Now you don't follow Jesus Christ for the blessings that he gives to you. You are to follow Christ because you love him and you love him alone. Otherwise, if if you love him only for his blessings or only for the gifts that he gives you, or only for the talents that he bestows upon you, you become an idolater. It's the gifts and the blessings and the talents that you love. Joshua says, love God alone. Hold fast to him. I get a picture in my mind that, that when, I'm holding, when I'm holding God, I don't have any hands left to hold things. But over at that table, over at the other table, you hold things. You hold on to things, not God. That's what... and, And the truth of the matter is, what Paul is pointing out to everybody who's willing to listen in 1 Corinthians 10 is that when we become idolaters, we will ultimately become immoral idolatry always precedes immorality always if I stop holding on to God and I start holding on to things and by the way it's a very easy transition to make because we're always praying Lord bless me bless me bless me Lord give me give me give me Lord I need this blessing I need this talent I need this gift and there's nothing wrong with praying like that But I want to suggest to you that you have to be really careful because you may start to tip over toward the idolatry side of life, whereby I'm only really interested in what God does for me. And then I become the center of my world. And when I become the center of my world, I've become an idol. And when I become an idol, I've lost my connection with God, and then it's all about what makes me feel good, and I become immoral. And at that table, it's all about things. He says one other thing here, and it's a longer, he he gives longer ramifications Verse 9, he says, The Lord has driven out before you. By the way, that whole fast, I want to come back to that again for a second. That whole fast is, is cleave, cling. We've, we've talked about this before. Remember I said to you, it's like um, skin on the bones? And then I got to emails, people who know something about anatomy. I said, hey, skin doesn't cling to the bone." Can you, imagine, can you imagine that? It doesn't. So, you know what? I know that. <laughs> so, fine. Connective tissue or ligaments to bones. You know, whatever. Whatever works for you. All I'm telling you <laughs> is that when you pull it apart, it really hurts. <laughs> and that's the point of this hold, Joshua says, hold fast to God in such a way that if you are pulling away from Him, it hurts. Because it will. And then he says, finally, the Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routs a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as He promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God At this table, you love God, not worldlings. You love God, not worldlings. He goes on to say this, If you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs, and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. You love God, not worldlings. You stay with the one who got you here. That's what this table is all about. Quite simply, because our usefulness to God is based upon or hinges on our uniqueness from the world. Now, at that table over there, the table of demons, people are the security and significance of people's lives. It's the associations that they make with other people that become their security and significance. Now, look it. You know very well that the Word of God and God is not teaching us to disassociate ourselves from people who are not of faith in an absolute sense. Now you know that. And the reason you know that is because Jesus himself said, Go and make disciples of all nations. Which means you've got to hang out with them. The Corinthian church was not hanging out with pagans. Unbelievers, the unchurched, so that they could win them to Christ. So that they could be an advertisement of the glory of God. They wanted to fully participate in the things of the world and come to church on Sunday too and pretend that they were loyal to Christ. Our usefulness to God as witnesses is based upon our uniqueness. The people of the world are not looking for the same thing they already have. They need to see something entirely different. They need to see a life that is is completely changed by Jesus Christ and authentically transformed and, and new, a new creation. That's what they need to see. They need to see the uniqueness of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. They need to see what it means to be loyal to God. And that's what we're committing ourselves to when we gather around the Lord's table. That we are a unique people. That our acceptance is not dependent on our association with the world. That's what got Paul a, a little fired up. Because the, uh, the people of Corinth were um, declaring to him and, or to their church friends that, that being saved and being rescued from their sins and from the uh, lostness and lost condition, entitled, and, and being saved for, for eternity, entitled them to do whatever they wanted to do. That's why they said, well, you know, it's, it's all permissible. And Joshua says, permissible, eh? That's, that's good Canadian stuff. Permissible, eh? I don't know if Joshua said that, but... I'm contextualizing his sermon. He said, uh, do you like snares and traps? Do you like whips on your back? Do you like thorns in your eyes? How many of you came to church this morning hoping for that to happen to you? Here's the problem. You go to that table... And um, God will uh, no longer help you drive the enemy out of your life. I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but in 1 Corinthians 10, in verse 12, it says, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation, it, it goes on to say, has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful... He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. When you're at this table, that's true. But if you go to that table, you lose. You lose God's willingness to provide His strength to pull you out of the mess. You're on your own. You step outside of His grace. The only resistance you have then becomes your human strength alone. You lose divine power. You're ensnared. You're trapped. You're abandoned. See, God has been rescuing us from what is ailing us and is increasingly rescuing us from the residual effects of the spiritual bondage that we were in. You go back there and you've taken yourself out of that. You become ensnared and trapped. It says, Joshua says, not only that though, if you, you start doing that, you'll have, you'll be, uh, be like whips on your back. If you start... Um, being one who's people-pleasing, you will lose his power not only to rescue you from that, but God's protective power will turn into oppositional power. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy, he says in verse 22? Are we stronger than he? By the way, God is not jealous like we're jealous. We're we're jealous um, in a selfish way. God is not jealous like we are because he doesn't need anything. God is jealous, by the way, because this table represents the ultimate love of God for us. It says in the Word of God that He took His one and only Son and willingly sacrificed Him as the price to be paid for our salvation, that we could be at that table. The loyalty of God toward us was paid for by the The shedding of the blood of His one and only Son. And there's an emphasis there of one and only Son as a parent. I I mean, it's not even on my radar screen that I would give up my kids to sacrifice my children for you. God the Father didn't have a, a bunch of sons and one was expendable. His one and only Son was sacrificed on the cross of Calvary to purchase us out of the slave market of that table so that we could be at this table. He's jealous for us. Jealous for us that we might embrace and experience all that being at this table has to offer And so he's jealous for your wholeness and your loyalty to him as a child loyal to the Father. And Joshua mentions one other thing you'll have thorns in your eyes. You can't see. You ever get an eyelash in your eye? Does that not really drive you crazy? Man, think about a thorn in your eye. You can't see. You ever wonder, you, you think, how can a Christian do that? You ever said that? I've said that a few times. How can a Christian do that? I've said, how can Rick do that? How can a Christian do that? If you want to dabble over at that table, I, I apologize, people. It's kind of been unfair today. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I, I love you guys over here. Well, my dear wife is over here. I'm talking about that table. That table. That <laughs> table. It's not this table, whatever. You know, it, you, you want to um, hang out over at that table. You are going to lose a spiritual sensitivity. You will no longer be spiritually productive. You can't see anymore. You say, why, why would Christians do that? Well, because when, when a Christian is doing something, that is disloyal to Christ, I'll tell you what. They're hanging out at, at that table. That's what they're doing. Joshua paints a really painful picture. You know, he's an old man. He's Just saying to him, look it. Being disloyal to God is really, really painful. And I want better for you than that. Apostle Paul says the same thing in 1 Corinthians 10. You cannot eat at the table and partake of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. Can't do it. So when they said to Paul, everything is permissible, he's like, what? Is everything constructive? Is everything beneficial? Is everything honoring to Christ? Is just anything advancing your witness to the cause of Jesus Christ? No, talk to me about permissible, Paul says. I want you to use words like constructive. I want you to use words like blessing and benefit. Those are the words I want you to determine your behavior by. this table, of which I'm now going to invite you to participate, is a table whereby we rededicate ourselves all over again to our loyalty to Jesus Christ, because he's been loyal to us. And so, I'm making a general invitation this morning for you to partake Of the table of loyalty. But that necessitates some soul searching. Number one, this table and participating in this table is reserved for those who have committed their lives to Jesus Christ, who've been forgiven of their sins. And have a relationship with Christ. Which, by the way, you can have this morning, right now. By admitting that you have been living on that other world. By recognizing you've been living sinfully. And by recognizing that Jesus Christ died on a cross to save you from your sins. You can commit your life to him this morning and be part of this table, table of loyalty. Maybe some of you who are hanging out at this table are hanging out at the other table too. This morning, you need to make a covenant with your heart and with the Lord. That's over. That today, in the partaking of these elements, it's a new rededication to loyalty to Jesus Christ alone. And then for the rest, this is the joy once again when we gather together as God's people and cheer for the same Savior and thank Him that He loves us and cheers for us and wants the best for us. Now anybody who knows me and you, you, you all know me pretty well, you know that I care about the people of the world. When it comes to Olympics, it's all about Canada. And if I'm that loyal to my country, when it comes to lifestyle, how could we be anything but totally loyal to Christ who died for us and purchase us out of the slave market of sinfulness, how could we go back there anymore? So this morning, I trust that this has been a time for us all to rededicate ourselves to our undivided loyalty to Jesus Christ. Our Father, thank you for your great love for us. I pray now by the power of your Spirit that you might draw us to yourself draw us away from anything that would be distracting us or damaging our loyalty to you alone. Because we realize, Father, that you are a God who hates sin. You're a jealous God. You love us so much that you're unwilling to share us with anything that would hurt us and damage us. So, Father, thank you for that kind of love and I just pray that you would Recommit us with an urgent passion to guard our hearts, the place where the wellspring of life flows from. May it flow in your direction alone, I pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. <laughs>